and we are going to talk about vacation Bible school. And does anybody have a noisemaker of any kind? <laughs> I hear that. All right. You'll, you'll need to just kind of hang on, okay? I know, <laughs> I know you. We, we're going to have trouble already, I can tell. But uh, in a moment, we're going to watch our little bumper. We're going to get into the story. But before we do that, I just want to encourage you that you may want to obey the Lord in taking the step of Christian baptism. Several times a year, we invite everyone who is a follower of Jesus Christ to prayerfully consider whether this is your time. You might be brand new in your faith and it would be a way to seal that commitment. I've often, I've baptized people who've been Christians for years and years and years and just never taken that step of obedience to the Lord. And so at the close of today's message, if that's something the Lord is prompting in you and Kyle, listen for that, uh, I'll be here at the front and I would love to talk to you for just a few minutes. We're going to have a baptism service here in a few weeks. Also, kind of connected to that, is the step of becoming an active, committed member of our local congregation. We've had several people who have asked about it. And so we're going to be doing a class, just a one-time class here in the next couple of weeks. And if that's of interest to you, if that's something the Lord is speaking to you about, uh, you can join us up here at the front. Just take a couple of minutes and we'll tell you more about it, okay? I can tell you're excited about that. All right. Okay. All right. Hey, uh, Pastor Cody has uh, done his magic one more time, so let's watch. <laughs> All right. Well, here we are at Vacation Bible School, kind of an old school term for a day camp for kids. And they usually involve games and Bible stories and snacks. Have we had snacks yet? I noticed that too. Next Sunday, Pastor Shane is up. It's the last one. We're going to have to have a snack. I'm just, I'm sorry. We're just saying, okay. <laughs> snack next Sunday. That's it. Okay. Um, the book of Esther tells her story. Isn't it interesting? She gets a whole book of the Bible. If you have, turn in your pew Bible. It should be there in front of you to page 492, 3, 4 in there. We have two different versions of the New International Version, two printings, so there might be a slight variation in the page. It's two books before Psalms, okay? Psalms pretty much in the middle of your Bible. Everybody get the Bible. Take the Bible out of the pew in front of you and help me out on this, okay? Uh, take it, hold it up like this, open it to the middle, and you should be at the Psalms, okay? Back up one book, you're going to be at Job. Back up one more, you're going to be at Esther. The Jewish nation, known as Israel, has been defeated by the armies of King Xerxes of Persia. They are in captivity. They are exiled in the Persian Empire. And King Xerxes is a bit of a jerk. <laughs> He's shallow, self-absorbed, something of a party animal. All he cares about is money, sex, and power. You've never met anyone like that, right? And the first thing he does in the first chapter of this book is banish his 
first wife, Queen Vashti, for refusing to show off her body in a vulgar dance before his male entourage. Being a man of shallow character and emotional immaturity, he sets out to find a new queen by holding a year-long beauty contest involving 127 bachelorettes. They take a year of beauty treatments and a selection is made to find the most beautiful of them all and a young Jewish girl, Hadassah, wins. And she's given the Persian name, Esther. Queen Esther relies on the counsel of her guardian, Mordecai, who's a, an important government official. And though they're both Jewish, he has advised her not to reveal that part of her identity. So now we have the king, his new queen, her mentor and advisor, Mordecai, and then comes the fourth character, a man named Haman. Later on, when I say Haman, we're all going to make noise. Let's, sure, let's make sure we know how to do that. His name is Haman. Keep, keep going, keep going, keep going. Okay. All right. Haman, not yet. Haman is so consumed by pride and self-promotion, and he is the king's right-hand man, that he hates Mordecai with a white-hot passion. Why? Because Mordecai won't bow and scrape. When Haman walks by, everybody else bows low to the ground. Not yet. Okay, all right. Hold on. <laughs> Chaos ensued. Okay. So he comes up with a plot to destroy his enemy, Mordecai, because he knows he's Jewish, so he says, well, let's just kill all the Jews. It's not the first time and won't be the last time. Let's just kill all the Jews in the Persian Empire. And he goes to this shallow, self-absorbed king who kind of wants money and power more than anything else, offers him a bribe and says, you know, just go along with me. And the king does. When Haman's hateful plot reaches Mordecai's ears, he goes to his young protege, the new queen, and challenges her to use her position, what he believes is her God-given position, to influence the king by confronting him and convincing him to rescind his original order. Last week, we closed with that part of the story. When Mordecai says to Esther, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but what you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. And we said, you know, there's something in all of our lives that identifies with that. God has a purpose and a plan for every one of us. And the truth of it is that following God and pursuing his purpose isn't necessarily easy. In fact, it typically isn't. Can you think of any time in the scripture when God asked people to do something courageous and it was easy? I can't think of one. I can't think of one time in my own life when God spoke to me and asked me to do something for him, to take a risk, to step out, and it was easy. It's never easy. So you have an outline there on the back of the bulletin today, and the first question it asks is, how many times did God call Bible heroes to do something easy? And the answer is, 
Zilch. <laughs> None. Zero. You might want to fill in the blank. So, in this moment of decision, the new queen says that she's going to pray and fast for three days and not eat or drink for three days, night or day, and she and her attendants will do that. She has a Mordecai to do that. And she says, at the end of that time, I will go and talk to the king. And since it's against the law to go uninvited to see the king in his formal chambers, there's a chance he might have me killed. And I'm going to go anyway. And if I perish, I perish. Last week we gave the challenge, you know, has, has there been ever anything that you have given yourself to to that point where you'd say, God, I'm all in no matter what? In fact, I probably need to fast and pray because when I fast, I recognize that it's not all about me and my power. And, you know, I eat to get strength, but I fast to gain God's wisdom and God's grace and to be more intimate with him. You know, I never did anything for that guy. You know, that, that Mordecai, he, that's pretty cool. He saved my life and, and I never did anything for him. So the next morning when uh, Haman wakes up, he decides, well, he's going to go uh, to the king and uh, this plot is going to unfold and and he comes in, and the very first thing the king says to Haman is, you know, I've been wondering, what, what should the king do for a man he wants to honor? <laughs> Haman goes, oh. For the man the king wants to honor, you should take a horse that only the king has ever ridden on. And you should have this man you want to honor ride on the horse. And you should take a robe that only the king has ever worn. And you should put it on this really special, incredible guy. And you should have a nobleman lead the horse around with the man the king wants to honor. And you should cry out to the people, this is what is done for the man the king wants to honor. Because Haman assumes it's him. And the king says, great idea. Go do it for Mordecai. <laughs> Woo! Oh, man, oh, man. Haman is in for a very awful, very bad day, right? Uh, so he has to do it. He, he actually, it's a kind of a cool story. He puts a crown on the horse. Can you imagine a horse with a crown? And he puts on this robe that only the king has worn. And Haman has to lead him around the streets. And Haman has to shout out, this is the man the king wants to honor. And he goes home and he tells his wife, you know, kill me now, right? And his wife says, I think they will, right? I think you're done. This is an omen. This is a sign. So just at that time, the messengers come to invite them and take him to the queen's second banquet. Now, that's what I read earlier, just a few minutes ago. And I want to get it exactly right because the way she words that is incredibly Powerful. My petition and my request is that if the king regards me with favor and it pleases him to grant my petition and fulfill my request, let him come tomorrow to the banquet I'm going to give. Did you hear what she did? She's running circles around these guys. This little Jewish girl has got them 
bamboozled. She, she has got them exactly where she wants them because she's told the king, you can come to a second party, but don't come unless you want to give me what I want. And I'm not going to tell you what I want until you get there. So the king says, okay, and he agrees to come, and they take Mordecai, and they come to the second party. I'm sorry, Haman. Then they come to the second party. And if you have your Bible, turn to Esther chapter 7. I think we're going to put it all up here on the screen because this is the part where we get to use our noisemakers. Are you ready? So the king asks Esther, this is at the second banquet, what do you want me to do? Then Esther answered, If I have found favor with you, your majesty, and if it pleases you, grant me my life. This is my petition. Spare my people. This is my request. For I and my people have been sold to be destroyed, killed, and annihilated. If we had merely been sold as male and female slaves, I would have kept quiet, because no such distress would justify disturbing the king. Xerxes asked Esther, who is he? Where is he? The man who dared to do such a thing. Would you read this out loud with me? Esther said, an adversary, an enemy, this vile Haman. Now is the time. <laughs> okay. Then Haman <laughs> was terrified before the king and queen. The king got up in a rage, left his wine, and went into the palace garden. But Haman, <clears throat> realizing that the king had already decided his fate, stayed behind to beg Queen Esther for his life. Just as the king returned from the palace garden to the banquet hall, Haman... <clears throat> was falling on the couch where Queen Esther was reclining. Then the king exclaimed, will he even molest the queen while she is with me in the house? As soon as the word left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Don't you love that? As soon as the words left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Oh man, I love that. Then Harbona, one of the eunuchs attending the king said, a pole, or this is where the translation sometimes is changed, uh, a gallows or a pole reaching to a height of 50 cubits, 75 feet, stands by Haman's house. He had it set up for Mordecai, who spoke up to help the king. Remember? Remember the story we just read? That Mordecai is the guy that saved your life. Then the king said, impale him on it. So they impaled Haman and the pole, on the pole he'd set up for Mordecai. Then the king's fury subsided. Wow, what a story. Um, so many incredible ingredients and elements and aspects to this story. God is at work. God weaves all of these things together. And the reason that we were making noise and using our... our uh, Noisemakers is because ever since this happened centuries ago, the Jewish people have had a holiday in honor of Queen Esther called Purim, and they tell this story to their children. And every time they tell the story, every time the vile Haman, you can do it one more time, the vile Haman 
<laughs> is mentioned, that's what everybody does, right? Somebody told me this week, not only did they hiss and boo and make noise at Haman's name, but when Mordecai's name is mentioned, they cheer. So let's cheer for Mordecai. <laughs> and when Esther's name is mentioned, they go, oh. So let's say, yay for Queen Esther. Oh. <laughs> and why do they do that? Because God did a miracle. God saved the people. Now, I, I mentioned there, it's on the outline, you know, sometimes we need to practice the discipline of celebration. Has God ever answered a prayer for you? Then, you know, we ought to praise him, right? Uh, you know, sometimes when we come on Sunday morning, we kind of have to get the energy going and we have a great praise and worship team. Aren't you thankful for our praise and worship team? And they sort of have to get us stirred up. You know, it takes a little energy. You know, we ought to come ready to praise, don't you think? I do not want to be part of the first church of the frigid air. You know, God's frozen chosen. You know, uh, I, I, need, I need somebody to remind me how much I have to be thankful for. I was lost and now I'm found. I was dead and now I'm alive. And Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me. Can I get an Amen. So when, when, I, when I realize that, when I live into that, I look at the... Has anybody ever seen a real, rousing Jewish party? They're singing. They're dancing. They're having an amazing, fantastic, praise-filled time. <laughs> I know. Control yourself there for a second. All right? So instead of spending it all now, let's spread it out, Okay? When we gather on Sunday, we are, we are remembering the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Every Sunday is a little Easter. And so when I gather with God's people in God's house, my heart is full of praise and I want to let it out. And I want to encourage all of us to express our love and our praise and our worship freely with joy and enthusiasm to the Lord. And this is in the story of Esther. The people cheer because of all the great things God does because <laughs> when the story is over and Haman has been executed now now somebody has to solve the problem so Esther says to the king there's still the law remember the law of the Medes and the Persians it's still there somebody's got to deal with it and so the king says Mordecai's pretty smart let's have him do it so he takes his signet ring, the single of, symbol of his authority, and he gives it to Mordecai, and he says, write a new law. And you need to read that in your Bible. Uh, Esther chapter 8 and chapter 9. The brilliant new law that he writes to protect all of the Jewish people. And in fact, to, to help them to overcome their enemies. And the people who had intended to destroy them are themselves destroyed. And the queen is given the estate of Haman, which is huge. Because before that, she, did, she was dependent on the king. Now she's her own person. Now she has her own place. She has her own land. She has her own estate. Fantastic. Incredible in the ancient Middle East. Then Mordecai is given Haman's role. He is made the, the, uh, the right-hand man to the king. God turns inside out and upside down the plan that was once made for evil and makes it the plan for good. And now I just 
As we come to the close of the story, I want to point out one very important and unusual thing from the story of Esther. Some people don't think it should be in the Bible because it's the only book in the Bible that doesn't contain the name of God. God's name occurs nowhere in this book. No Yahweh, no Jehovah, no Adonai, no reference to God. So the question is, where is he? And the answer is, he's all over it. How do you think Hadassah gets chosen to be the new queen out of 127 candidates? And she just happens to be the only one Jewish. And how do you think Mordecai is the one who finds out about the assassination plot? and foils it at the last minute. And how is it that on the night, the crucial night before the final decision is to be made between banquet one and banquet two, the king can't sleep? (laughs) And the readers happen to read the story of how Mordecai was the one who foiled the assassination plot. And how is it that this young Jewish girl who's never been in any kind of position of leadership before, how is it that she is so savvy, so brilliant, that she handles the situation perfectly? She invites the king to a party, and then she invites him to another party. And only at the second party does she set him up by saying, don't come unless you want to give me what I want. And then the way she points to Haman as the enemy and the way God works. And now the, the, the one who was going to be killed, Mordecai, is now the new leader. And the ring, the ring that was once Haman's ring is now Mordecai's ring. What's going on? God. God, he's all over the story. Now here's the deal. We're all doing the best we can to love and serve the same God. At least that's my prayer. And he has a purpose and a plan for each one of us. And sometimes that purpose and that plan, we already said it, isn't easy. It can be serving some underserved person in a local school or in downtown Flint or any of the things that God has opened the door for our church to be part of. And after a while, it's just plain work. And after a while, we've been there and done that. And it's when it gets hard and it doesn't feel too inspiring, that's when we need to know God is in the mix. And God is still at work. And God can give us strength. And God can bring a victory we could never have any other way. And I was thinking, I mentioned last week about the door God has opened for our church. We're now sponsoring 20 refugee children in Amman, Jordan, whose lives are forever changed and who probably had no idea that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ cared about them. And in a few weeks, in about a month and a half from now, the pastor of that church is going to be here. He's going to tell us his story in person. And God, I believe, has opened an incredible door for our church to step through. But it may not be easy. It may cost us something. 
There may be times when we don't see where it's all going or how it's all coming together. But the same God who was with Esther is with us. And sometimes it's just a matter of putting one foot in front of the other as a follower of Jesus Christ. Not giving up on your personal prayer time with God. You may have slacked off. You may get, you know, summer, it's hard to keep the habit. It may have been a while. Don't give up. Press on. You know, the Lord may have called you. It may have put something in your heart and nobody else knows. Some way of serving. Some way of helping. Some, something that seems important to you. You know, there's nothing more important than obeying the call of God for your life. And sometimes it takes the kind of courage that says, if I perish, I perish. I'm all in. I trust you anyway. And it's only then, it's only on the backside of the yes that we see God's power and God's plan. It's only then when we look back and see, wow, look how God helped us. Look how God provided what we, you know, thought we could never have. Because the same God who was with Esther is the same God who is with us. And the same God who, who enabled her to accomplish her mission is the same God who will help us as Davison Free Methodist Nation to accomplish our mission, to love people to Jesus, one person at a time. Across the street, down the block, at work, in our schools, We're all in. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you that when I don't see you, you're still there. When I don't feel you, you are still God. When your name isn't everywhere in front of me, you never change. So I pray for this family of ours this flock of yours that you would give us a new infusion of holy boldness that whatever it is you call us to do we will do and if we perish we perish but Lord we trust that you are bigger than the problems. You are bigger than the obstacles. You are bigger than our fears. And you will help us, and you will go with us, and you will use us, and you will do the thing that only you can do. And so today, as we close our service, we yield ourselves, we yield this church, this congregation, our community of faith, to your greater, grander purpose. Accomplish it in us and through us as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Will you stand with me? Remember I said earlier, if you might be interested in being baptized or becoming a member of our church, we'd love to talk to you for just a moment. Remember too that next Sunday, I believe Pastor Shane said, how many services will there be? And what time are they? And we will get to have a snack. The Lord go with us all. Amen.